0: this is sunday morning worship service here at the pine level pentecost when church november the 11th 2023 reverend jim wall bring the message today thankful and hard times here's brother david with the praise team and the pine level pentecost when church choir singing what a mighty god we serve amen let's get started singing what a mighty god we serve what a
1: mighty
0: Y'all may be seated while the praise team goes in the choir.
2: by his friends, he heard this healer was in town, but with a crowd around the door that day, they had to find another way, so they tore off the roof to let him down. upon this man. Great faith there was seen. He said, your sins, I forgive them
1: all. And when the voice that would set him free, he spoke with authority.
2: presence now as your faith is rising up there is healing coming down there's a a In In your presence, in your
1: presence,
2: in your presence,
0: somebody and tell them you're so glad to see their pretty face this morning amen
3: Thank you for your giving. God bless you for your giving. It's a time in our uh, morning worship service to continue worshiping worshiping by giving this morning. Uh, Those on this side, I think, are the older people, and those on this side are the younger, based on the ushers this morning. So... (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I just saw a little humor in... uh, Uh, the seniors versus the teams here, that's all. But uh, thank you for ushering this morning, all of you. God bless you. This morning as we pray, Father, we thank you. We thank you for all the giving, dear Father, and the Lord the giver, dear Father. Bless each one. Bless this gift that it builds your kingdom. It reaches out. Touch those that are lost, dear Father, those that are in need, Lord, and we want it to build your kingdom, dear Father, and bless you. In thy name we pray. Amen. (laughs)
4: Y'all did an amazing job, praise team. As always, yes, give it up for them. Give it up for them. Um, Miss Ava, will you come join me, please? So if you missed Sunday night, you guys missed a treat. It was a great night. Um, We had a few baptisms. I went swimming. It was just fantastic. The water was warm, but it was warm because they made it warm. Anyway... So, we had the opportunity to baptize Miss Ava McLaughlin here and Mr. Robbie Stafford. Um, And what that means for some of you that aren't in the Christian circle yet, that means that they made an outward announcement of an inward decision. That means that they decided that they had placed Jesus in their heart and that they have decided that they were going to follow Him for the rest of their life. So, I would like to present this certificate to you, young lady. Miss Ava, thank you. thank you. And Mr. Robbie, where are you at? I don't think you're here. Oh, he's right there in that Carolina blue shirt. Praise the Lord. There you go, sir. Yep.
3: Hey,
4: look. look to your right. right there. Go Heels. <laughs> go Heels. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, guys. Lord, we thank you so much for the dedication of these two, Lord. We pray that your hand will be upon them as they move from here on into the future, Lord. That they will truly put you first in everything they do and every decision that they make. And Lord, not only is this for them, Lord, but it's also for us as their church family, Lord, that we will be here for them, not only in the hard times, Lord, but to help them stay lifted in the good times, Lord, that we'll be here as a spiritual light for them to help them as they live out this Christian life in this in this crazy, crazy world. Thank you for all that you're doing here in our midst. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. All right, are y'all ready for this? <laughs> it's been a long time since I've uh, been asked to sing. I've sung a lot, but I haven't been asked to sing, so, you know, uh, that's a good thing but uh you know i was wondering how to this is a song i've done many many numerous times before and uh, you know I, I you just get to thinking about how this world is going right now it is not good we are we're just in a battle all the time um, from the government right straight on down but you know what my god can make everything so much better. Amen. I was asked to sing how great thou art and uh, y'all pray for. Me.
5: Boy.
4: introduce our guest speaker for today, Pastor Jim Wall. Pastor Jim, I've known this man for the better part of eight years now, and he he truly saw something in me seven years ago that I did not see for myself, and he has been a great, great man of God and an influence on my life. But I'm going to tell you some highlights about him, and it's probably going to be apparent that I didn't know him through some of this. He's from Bladenboro, North Carolina. He served as a missionary in the Philippines from 81 to 89. So obviously I didn't know him then. He, he then moved on to becoming the pastor of Chesapeake Community Church. And then he moved from there to the bridge, which is right here in Princeton. And then that's where I met him. And he is currently the director of the Great Commission Ministries for the North Carolina IPHC Conference. His wife, Kim, you can come on up. His wife, Kim, talked to my wife this morning because Mary Catherine said, don't wear a tie today. And I said, I want to wear a tie and maybe I shouldn't have. He's, he's, he's trying to make up for
6: for looking older than me and That's he's trying right. to dress That's himself right. down. That's what it is.
4: Yes. So it is my honor to introduce Pastor Jim Wall. Yes, sir. Thank you.
6: Thank you, Brian. And it has been uh, a real joy to watch your journey, you and Mary Catherine together, and and uh, just watch the Lord use you in wonderful ways. And it's a joy to be back to Pine Level. I say back. Some of you say, well, I've never met this man before. Was he back uh, in 1980? How many of you were here in 1980? And there's some of you here in 1980. Kim and I came here for the first time, and you guys became one of our sponsoring churches uh, during the years that we were in the Philippines. And I don't know that I've ever had the chance to come back and say thank you for the seeds that you planted in our lives uh, that has then led us to this place uh, 40 plus, none of your business years later. But here we are, still worshiping together, serving the Lord together. So thank you. Thank you, Pine Level Church. Thank you for uh, particularly those of you that were here back then, but those of you that have been faithful through the years. It's exciting to be here. So let's just kick it off. Happy Thanksgiving. Anybody got something to be thankful for? How many of you got family coming in or you're going to family? Going to be with family and friends this week? Going to see your hands, okay. How many of you are going to eat too much? Come on, give it up. Let's be honest, okay. Confession's good for the soul. Lying in church is not. So I'm going to go eat too much this week. How many got something to be thankful for this week? All right, see those hands. God bless those hands. How many of you have something that you're not so thankful for this week? Come on. Not good to lie in church. (laughs) Truth is all of us have stuff to be thankful for, and all of us have stuff that we wish didn't work out the way it worked out. We all have circumstances that are harder to deal with than we anticipated they would be. So what do we do with Ephesians chapter five, verse eighteen through twenty? These scriptures are going to be on the screens. You can follow along. I'm going to be reading from the NKGV this morning. So if you got your Bible, be looking at a lot of different scriptures, but you're welcome to flip there and try check to make sure I'm doing the right thing saying the right words, but Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 says, Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, let's break it down. How many of you believe that it's better to be filled with the Spirit than drunk with wine? Okay, good. You guys got that one. How many think it's kind of cool to speak to one another in hymns and songs and praise? I noticed, Brother Mac, when you turned them loose to greet, it was hard to get them to stop greeting, wasn't it? I love a church that loves to greet one another and be in relationship with well, them. That's a good thing. But come on. He also says, giving thanks for all things. Um, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Okay, Jesus, I believe in you and I'll follow you anywhere, but give thanks for everything? That's asking a little much, isn't it? I mean, why would God ask us to do what seems absolutely impossible? In the few minutes that I've got with you today, and I'll try not to keep you too long, I preached at church not too long ago, it started at 11 o'clock, and pastor introduced me and he said, now, Brother Jim, you take all the time you want. We're all leaving at noon, but you take all the time you want. <laughs> so I promise not to keep you too awfully long, but I want to lean into a subject that I believe uh, it, it's been very helpful to me as I've studied this and, and tried my best to live it out. And I hope it'll be helpful to you on this Sunday before Thanksgiving. And it's just simply as this, how do we give thanks for everything? How could we possibly get to that place? And I believe there are four keys to giving thanks for everything. And so let's just lean into it for a couple of minutes, see if I can help you to prepare for a great Thanksgiving this morning. The first key is in order to give thanks for everything, is you've got to focus on God, not on the circumstances. You've got to focus on God, not on the circumstances. Say it with me. I'm going to focus on God, not on the circumstances. And I know that's already easier said than done. Because we all have circumstances that hurt. I mean, Jesus even said, In this world you will have trouble. I mean, that's the reality. After all, this is not heaven, this is earth. We aren't there yet, and we live in a sin cursed world, and those are the realities. I got trouble, you got trouble, all God's children got trouble, can I get an amen in the house? Um, One day he's gonna call it. One day he's gonna say, Enough. It's gone far enough. It can't go no further. And he's going to call it. And from that point forward, all those troubles will be gone. But for now, he does the next best thing. God never wastes a hurt. God never wastes a hurt. He has a way of factoring in every circumstance we face, the good, the bad, and the ugly. He has a way of factoring all those circumstances into his plan, and his plan is to give us abundant life now and eternal life with him. That's his plan. There is no plan B. That's his plan. Everything that happens in our lives is part of that journey to give us those Things. Here's the problem. To get the benefit of that abundant life now and that eternal life with him, we have to focus on him, not on the circumstances that we're facing from time to time. How do you do that? You look at life in light of eternity. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. You see the, 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 the comparison between those two? He called it light affliction that happens now, but a far weightier, exceeding glory in the things that will come. Paul's saying the beginning of being thankful, even for the problems that we face in life, is understand that God is at work even in the hard times. Even when we don't see what He's doing, God is at work in the hard times. But in order for you to get the benefit of that, you've got to learn to take the long view. You've got to learn to look down the road and look at eternity. And when you do that, uh, you will begin to see those benefits. And you don't have to wait for heaven to see them. Okay? Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5 says it this way. We glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance, character, And character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Now again, I'm not saying that we should be glad that we have problems, but I am saying that when we understand the result of our problems, we understand how God can use those, uh, we can begin to be glad for the problems that we have because we know the result that's going to come. i got two amens. We can begin to be glad for the problems that we face because of the result that's going to come. What's the result? The result is that tribulation produces perseverance, patience, some translations say. Anybody need more patience? Don't answer that. Don't answer that because how does God give us patience? By giving us tribulations. You want more patience? Pray for patience. He'll give you some more tribulation. God bless you. Thanks for praying. But pray for patience because that patience ultimately leads to character, and character ultimately leads to hope. So, yes, some people say, don't pray for patience. Yes, pray for patience. Understanding that at the end, it all comes to that place. I can sum it all like this and we'll move on. Every storm is a school, every trial is a teacher. Every experience is an education. God uses every difficulty in our lives for our development to become more like his son, Jesus Christ. No matter where the problem came from, whether it was choices that you made or choices that somebody else made, God has given us this amazing system where we have freedom of choice. But we don't have freedom from the consequences of our choices. So sometimes we make choices that produce difficult circumstances, and sometimes the people in our lives make choices that have difficult circumstances. And sometimes it's people we don't even know or have never met or never will who make choices. But the ripple effect is circumstances that we don't like. But even then, God says, I will develop in you perseverance, which will lead to character, which will lead to hope. And you can have those things. But hear me, when you focus on the problem... Instead of what God is doing through the problem, you actually block the very results that God's trying to give you. You see, when you get that, here's the deal our problem stops being our problem. Our problem becomes how we're dealing with our problem. Does that make sense? Sure, watch two people go through the same situation, one succeeds and the other fails right? One learns and the other doesn't. One gets better, the other gets bitter. Same set of circumstances, just different reaction to the only difference is the way they deal with the problem. And an even bigger problem we have to deal with is that most of us, can I come over here? Most of us are slow learners. So we get a set of circumstances and he teaches us something we needed to know and then we forget and he has to Take us back and do it again. Here's the the goodness of our God. When you take a test and you fail it, you get to take the test again. Some of you have been taking the same test over and over and over again, and you haven't learned yet. And God's saying, but don't you understand that on the other side of dealing with this by focusing on me instead of on the problem itself, you get character, and that character leads to hope. So when the problems come, don't focus on the problem. Focus on the God who wants to bring you through that set of circumstances to be better, to be stronger, to have more character, ultimately to become more like his son, Jesus Christ. So let's practice. Anybody want to practice? All right, if you've got stuff in your hands, put it down, because I want you to do something. All right? I want you to pick up one hand like this. Fingers up. Wave them. Come on, wave them. I know some of you are too cool for school, but work with me here. All right, with the other hand, make a fist. All right, this is your circumstances, and this is your God, the rock of your salvation. Okay? If you put this here, go ahead, and this out here, can you see him? Yeah, but he's obscured. If you do this, what happened to your circumstance? It's still there, but it's not filling your view anymore. So this Thursday when you sit down to dinner and things are getting a little bit strange because Uncle Joe is talking about stuff you wish he hadn't brought up and somebody else is talking about something else and the tension gets big at the table, just reach up and go. Don't say a word, just pass the turkey, please. The second key then to being able to be thankful for all things is you've got to ask God what, not why. Ask Him what, not why. I know the tendency we have when we get a problem is we tend to say, oh God, but why Why is this happening to me? And the biggest mistake we make is when we start this idea that uh, that the reason I'm having a hard time or going through this hard thing is because I must be a bad person. That's a lie of the devil. You need to know that's a lie of the devil. If you're going through a hard time, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means you're a person. Did Jesus suffer while he was on earth? Was Jesus lonely at times? Was Jesus ever misunderstood? Was Jesus rejected by the people that he actually came to die for? Was Jesus a bad person? No. So if Satan starts whispering that lie in your ear, then reject him. Reject the lie. Choose not to believe the truth. And if you did do something wrong, the Bible is clear. You can come to him and confess, and he will forgive and give you a fresh start. So the natural reaction when we're going through a difficult time is to start saying, I don't, I don't get it. Why, why me? But I'm here to tell you guys, instead of asking the question, why, why me? I'm not. I've had people tell me it was a sin to ask why. I'm not sure you can support that biblically, but I can tell you that it's a waste of time. Cause there's some why questions you're never going to get an answer to. I could give you a list of them in my life right now that I don't know why, I will not know why this side of heaven. I get to heaven, I'm going to have what I call the divine aha, where I walk in and go, (coughs) of course, now I see. But now I see through a glass darkly, Paul said. So you can ask why all you want, it's just not productive. The productive question is, Lord, what are you trying to say to me? What are you trying to say to me about me? What are you trying to teach me in this set of circumstance? What am I holding on to that you want me to let go of? And what am I letting go of that you want me to hold on to? The more productive question is not why. The productive question is what are you using this circumstance for in my life? Did I mention somewhere this morning that God never wastes a hurt. So what do I need to do in order to cooperate with you, Lord, so that this is not a wasted experience? It's painful. I don't like it. But the truth of the matter is, most of my growing in the last 50, none of your business years of ministry have come through those seasons of, I don't like this very much, God. I don't know why I'm going through it until I look back and say, wow. You see, the problem is growth means change. You can't stay the same and grow, right? So growth means change, and change is hard. Now, again, here's the problem. We're slow learners, but we're also, maybe I won't say we, maybe I won't say you, maybe I'll say uh, I, um, I have this tendency when God shows me something that I need to change and some area that I need to grow in and some what that I need to learn about me, I don't change as soon as I see the light. Am I the only one? I change when I feel the heat. <laughs> Ooh, oh, I guess i got to change now. We wait until it gets so painful we have no choice but to change before we actually embrace the change because we like our comfort zones. But growth and comfort zones do not go together. So let me just give you three facts about God's plan for your life I don't know most of you. I don't know your life. I don't know you personally. But I do know from Scripture three things about God's plan that I hope will inspire you to stop asking why and start asking what so you can cooperate. First thing I know is that God's plan is better than yours. God's plan is better than your plan. His plans are always bigger and better than we can come up with because He has a bigger and better perspective On our lives. Brian mentioned it a moment ago. People in his life. He used me but there were others as well. Who saw things in him that he didn't see in himself. Somebody with another perspective had to speak into it. Before he could begin becoming who God designed him to be. Is this making sense? Well God has perspective that none of us have. And his plan is always better than Ours. It's one of the reasons we focus on Him in hard times instead of focusing on the hard times because we need His perspective. The Bible is clear. He's able to do more than we dare to dream or think or ask. That's who our God is. Can I just be personal for a second? If you had told me 50, none of your business years ago, that I would be where I am doing what I'm doing, uh, I would have said, You're crazy. There's no way that I would have guessed that in the years of ministry that God would put me where he put me to do the things that I've done, been a part of. I'd have said, that's bigger than me. That's not possible. I'm a kid from Bladenboro, North Carolina. Kids from little towns like that, smaller than Pine Level, because we have one traffic light and they don't bother to turn it on anymore because there's not enough traffic to need it. They actually have a stop sign and the traffic light's turned off. That's the town I'm from. And yet I've ministered on three continents. Had the honor of planting 89 churches on those three continents. See, God's taking me to places I never dreamed I'd go to do things I never dreamed I'd do. Because why? Because I've constantly over the years done my best to quit saying. Why, God? And started saying, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? How are you trying to position me? Because I believe your plan is better than anything I dare to dream or think or ask. The second thing I know about God's plan is that God's plan is harder than your plan. Hello? Is it true? I mean, human nature says, I want God's best, and I want God's plan, and I want God's grace, and I want to accomplish great things can I do it in my comfort zone please can I do it without having to address my hurts and habits and hang ups and God says I care more about you uh, and your character than I do your comfort I care more about your holiness than I do your happiness I just want to be happy well I'm sorry happiness is overrated Happiness kind of rises and falls with a set of circumstances that you're in. Holiness is eternal. God says, I care more about that stuff than I do. Bottom line is He wants us to grow up. He wants us to mature. He wants us to become more like His Son, Jesus Christ. And so He will use the problems in our lives to mature us, to grow us, to to help us to become responsible people. If you give your children... Uh, Anything they want, every time they want it. If you always make life comfortable for them, what will they grow up to be? Brats. Who believe they are entitled to everything. Come on. We know that. And God doesn't want us to be brats. He wants us to have perseverance and character and hope. And so... He wants us to be, as one person said it, he wants us to be responsible, which can be broken down into response-able. We have the ability to respond to the circumstances that are thrown at us living in this sin-cursed world because we've developed our response muscles. We've developed the character that goes through those times. So yes, he will allow difficult things to come. And then He'll use them for good in our lives. I love the picture from Isaiah 43, 19. He was talking specifically to the children of Israel, but it's true for us as well. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. He's talking about turning a dry, desolate, desert land into a picturesque place of beauty teeming with life. That's what God wants to do in all of our lives. Sound easy? No. Sound worth it? I hope so. But to get there, you've got to decide when problems come, and they will. It's when, not if. I'm going to focus on God, not the problem. And I'm going to ask, what are you trying to use this problem for in my life? as opposed to why am I going through this. I told you there were three things about God's plan that I knew were true. The the first one is that simple, that it's better. The second is that it's harder. The third is that it's more rewarding than yours. 1 Corinthians 2, 9, as it is written, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. And yes, that reference is primarily about heaven, but it's true today too. When you commit to cooperate with God's plan and God's ways and God's purposes, then life becomes uh, more than just satisfying. It becomes significant. You find yourself doing things you never dreamed you'd do, touching lives you never thought you'd touch, making a difference in the world you thought you'd never make, simply because you've cooperated with Him, and He's used you beyond your capacity. But to get there, you first got to focus on God, not the problem, and you got to ask what, not why. Then, here's the third one, and quite often when the problems are really deep, this is the most critical one, Is you've got to decide, you have to just make up your mind. I'm going to trust God's character. I'm going to trust God's character. I'm not going to trust how I feel. I'm going to trust what I know about the God who loves me. Are feelings wrong? Somebody say no. Feelings are not wrong, feelings are human. I love feelings. I love the quiver in my liver that I still get 48 years after marrying my wife. I mean, it's just, I love feelings. But hear me, feelings are not the engine of your train that is your life. They are the caboose. Feelings don't come first. Truth comes first. What's right comes first. Then the feelings follow Because of it. And so you've got to decide. I may not understand what's going on. I may not even feel I like what's going on, but I know who God is. I know He's at work. I know He's here to bless my life, to give me abundant life now and eternal life with Him. And I choose to trust His character. Say it with me I choose to trust His character. One more time I choose to trust His character whether I feel like it or not. I can't see what he's doing, but I know who he is. And he will keep his promises to me. Let me give you two things about that. And then we'll wrap this up. Two things to keep in mind when you're going through these hard times in life. First of all, everything that happens in a believer's life is what I call father-filtered. Everything that happens in your life had to run through the mill of God's will and purpose for your life before it was released into your life. I know that for no other reason because 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says it. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation we will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Go back and break that down a little bit. What, no temptation is overtaking you except what is what? Common to man. You know what that says to me? If, if problems are common, then solutions are too. You see, one of the lies that Satan loves to tell you when you're going through a difficult time or you're tempted or tested to, to do something that, that would not honor God and would not move you toward His purposes for your life is to believe, I- I'm the only one who's ever been through this and I can't talk to anybody because they would not understand. I certainly can't go to my pastor. I can't go to my youth pastor. I can't go to one of the deacons because they would not understand because, uh, because I'm the only one. And I'm here to tell you, whatever problem you have... It is common demand, which means there is a common solution. Satan wants you to isolate yourself from the leaders of the body of Christ. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy. So that's the first thing to remember when you're finding yourself in difficulty. The second thing is he said he would never allow it to be beyond what you're able to bear. He knows that you're strong enough to handle whatever it is that you're facing, or he wouldn't allow you to face it. I learned that, that lesson a long, long time ago uh, when we were pastoring in Chesapeake, Virginia. Had a lady that came to Christ probably in her late 30s. She and her husband both got saved. And and, uh, and I watched them grow over the next couple of years <clears throat> until one day a Debbie come, came bursting into the church office, rushed past my secretary, burst into my office, weeping and said, I don't get it. I thought God loved me. And she just vented for a while when she finally calmed down, I said, sit down, Debbie, sit down, let's talk. What, what on earth just happened? She said, I heard a couple of years ago that the man who raped me when I was 16 was out of prison and back in the area, but I had not run across him a single time until today. And I'm in food land, and there he is at the other end of the and I don't know why God put him in my path now. And I said, do you remember 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13? We had just talked about it a few days before. And she said, uh, okay, <laughs> but I don't know what that has to do with anything. I said, well, two years ago, you weren't ready to confront him. Two years ago, you weren't ready to deal with these issues. Obviously, God knows now that you're strong enough to deal with it, so let's get you connected to a counselor, and let's get you walking through the the journey and the pain and the scars that come from that horrible experience you endured. God kept him away until you were ready to deal. I look back over my life, and I see the way that God has preserved my life and protected me, and every now and then when stuff comes up, it's like... (laughs) He must think I'm strong enough. I know that I'm not. That's a lie of the devil. Because if Satan's allowed it, yes, you are in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because he also said he would make a way of escape. You will not face it alone. You can face it with the body of Christ can face it in the presence of God. It's I get this picture, and I know my brain is weird, but, but I get this picture of God and the angels in heaven looking at me when I'm going through that difficult circumstance, and they're kind of like, some of them's got pom-poms, and some of them's got, you know, kind of the cheerleading pose, and one of them's going, go, Jimmy, go, Jimmy, go, Jimmy, you can do this, Jim, you can do this, Jim, you can do this, Jim, and suddenly I started thinking, maybe I can, maybe I can. And I find out that God is at work in my life. Everything that happens in a believer's life is father-filtered, but perhaps just as importantly is that God has this amazing way, I call it his genius, of working everything into a pattern for good in our lives. All we have to do is love him back. He loved us first. We just have to love him back. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 and 9, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His Purpose, verse 29 says, the purpose is that we be conformed to the likeness of His Son, Jesus Christ. It may be hard to believe when you're facing a painful circumstance, but remember, we've decided to trust His character, and His character says, I'm going to work this into the pattern for good, and it's going to be a good thing at the end of the day. So think about it with me just a moment. It's Thanksgiving season. How many of you, if I offered you a spoonful of flour right now, would say, yum, I'd like to eat that? How about if I offered you a spoonful of Crisco or lard, even better? Mmm, give me some of that. ha. <laughs> want some of that. How about a spoonful of baking soda? Anybody want a spoonful of baking soda? Anybody want some of that? How about a spoonful of sugar? Well, maybe. Okay. How about a spoonful of, of cooked pumpkin? Okay, maybe. How about all of those ingredients put together and baked in an oven? Anybody going to enjoy some pumpkin pie this week? Well, you can't have pumpkin pie without the good, the bad, and the ugly in their thing together. It all goes together. God has a way of bringing it around, and we'll we'll close with this, the fourth. Remember what I said? What What are the keys? Focus on God, not the circumstance. Ask, what are you trying to teach me? Not, why am I going through this? Number three is what? You've got to decide to trust his heart, trust his character, trust his person, trust his word, even when you don't see what he's doing. And then finally, find peace in the midst of the storm. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which passes all understanding which is to say it doesn't make objective sense, but it's there. And it will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, you might be sitting here right now, or you may be watching online right now, and and you're thinking, but but, Pastor Jim, you, you don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand how bad my problems are. You don't understand what I'm facing. And my answer to you is, you're right, I I don't. But here's what I do know. Most of the scriptures we've looked at today were written by, inspired by the Holy Spirit, but written by the Apostle Paul who faced all kinds of hardships. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was stoned and left for dead. He was imprisoned for his faith over and over and over again. He rejected by the people that he loved the most over and over and over again. This guy faced it all. And yet, he's the one that wrote the words that we've been talking about today. While he was in prison, he wrote those words. Why? Because he understood that God has this amazing way of bringing it all together for his purposes, which is that we find abundant life now and eternal life with him. He even said to his own spiritual son, Timothy, I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for reminding us this morning that thankfulness is not an emotion that we work up. It's a decision. It's a character trait where we choose To focus on you rather than the problem we're facing. We choose to cooperate with your process to create character in us by saying, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to teach me about me? Instead of saying, Lord, why? We choose to trust your character. And we choose to bring all things to you in prayer so that you might bring us peace that passes all understanding. You know, every family that's represented in this room and online, you know what they're facing. I pray, Lord, that joy would arise in this Thanksgiving season, that Pine Level Pentecostal Holiness Church would be known for a people of joy, a people of hope that comes from character that grew out of perseverance, that began with tribulation, but they focused on you. Thank you for this body of believers. Thank you for this community of faith. Thank you for the difference they've made across the world in missions and locally. Thank you for what you're going to do in them and through them in the days ahead. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said,
0: Amen. The Pound Level Pentecostal Witness Church Incorporated, copyright 2023.